the enemy continuously puts tries to put upon God's people upon people to control them we're not controlled are we I like what Pastor Micah he just got me inspired today just saying things I don't know what it is it just was kind of making things pop up in my head that our Jesus is not a locksmith he's not a locksmith I think our town has one locksmith a stand a locksmith Stan told me he can't even get anybody who's going to follow through with his business. So we got Stan. Stan will show up everywhere because we got in Gal Police Stan the locksmith. But the thing about Jesus is that he really doesn't really like locks. You know, because he liked for the doors. He says that he's opened the door and his sheep will go in and out and find yeah. pasture. He doesn't like locks. I mean, even so much in the final book of the Bible at the end of times, in the time of judgment, why, he's the one that breaks the seals on the scroll. In other words, Jesus said, I don't want nothing locked. Nothing locked. Now, he builds walls. The enemy can't come through, can't enter in. But I will tell you, for his children, he wants nothing but unlocked doors, opportunity, and openness for his people. Jesus is not going to tie you up or bind you up. He's just going to set you free. Hallelujah. My goodness, I appreciate that. Glory to God. Jesus, that's a sermon. Somebody make up a good sermon out of Jesus is not a locksmith. He's not a locksmith. Why, he doesn't create a lock to keep the devil out. He destroyed the works of the devil when he came to earth. So praise the Lord. He's not a locksmith. Praise God. Well, you did it. I don't know if it's the spirit of Jim Rayleigh or somebody, but it just kind of come through me. Thank you, worship team. Will you, will you give the Lord a clap offering of praise for the gift that we have in our church of the worship and music and such? I appreciate their heart. None of them consider themselves being superstars. They're just volunteers ready to help and join in with the church and worship in the congregation of the Lord and use their gifts. Praise the Lord. Would you turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8. You can be ready for that. I'll refer to it. But I just can't get off of this, never give up. And yesterday made it even worse when I watched on the scenes and saw some of the pics of yesterday of the prayer walk in Washington. Never give up, saint of God. Thousands and thousands of Christians out there to march up and just for prayer, crying out to God for our nation. Hallelujah. It inspired me and made me think, thank you, Lord. There are still the remnant and the people of God. No matter how Washington or the Capitol and Congress may mess some stuff up, there's still the remnant of God who are believing in the one who can heal and deliver and break chains. Break chains. My goodness, the worship brought us in a word there. Break every chain. Hallelujah. There's great hope, anticipation in that. I thank God, and when I saw that, I thought, yep, never give up. I wish I would have put it on the picture on the screen. You see it and see, never give up. 
Never give up. Never give. Listen, I believe it was prophetic and pivotal at the time that when that prayer walk ended at five o'clock, President Trump was on the lawn announcing the nomination for the Supreme Court justice. There's something God is doing something. We hear all the noise of disruption and rebellion. We hear the scenes of 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 people crying out vicious words almost a spirit of hatred at times misunderstanding and confusion and amid all that noise God is still working do you think God punches in and punches out on his has a time card he never sleeps nor slumbers he doesn't quit. He's on 24-7, constantly doing his work. And if God decided to go on vacation and leave us, we'd be dead already for the universe would fall apart. But God is holding everything in place and in order. Never give up. Even if you don't see it, looks like it's getting bad when we don't really realize that God's working. God said, no, it's getting better. It's getting, you ever been in a renovation project before? Whole lot of mess. Whole lot of dust. Whole lot of destruction around. And it takes a vision to see, well, you know, this is going to become something here, honey. Just hang in there. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. Just hang in there. Well, you're wiping off the dust. You're moving stuff out of the way. You step on nails. You say, honey, it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. Why? Why? Because the creator is creating. And when he eventually cleans it all out, there's going to be a new renovation and a new season and a new day. That's what I'm believing God for. Hallelujah. Now, that's my moment of exhortation. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start off Luke chapter 18, verse 1. As a text, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. New Living Translation for those last three words says never give up. Never give up. Now, Father, move upon your people now, God, as we take responsibility. I take responsibility delivering. And all of us in this house take responsibility of receiving of what you may be saying to us. And speaking to us, Lord. Right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, begin to move. Let everyone that hears this word be ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit. For your word is anointed, God. I thank you, God, no matter what I do, your word is anointed. No matter how good or how well, how my performance is, your word is enough and is anointed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Luke chapter 8 and also Mark 5 has the same accounts and there are three certain miraculous events that took place. Special moments that the Lord would want us to remember because what I'm impressed with is that John Mark represented the church in the early days of ministry of Paul and then also that we read that Luke was 
a follower of Paul and was used of God that wrote the book of Luke. So I take that as a word of advice and instruction from the Lord to take that chapter seriously. It's more than just recorded history. There's an important message that's relevant for today that all of us should hear and receive. How many of you, by raising your hand, say, Pastor, I'm going to receive this morning a word from the Lord. And so if I were to try and sum up Luke chapter 8 in one word, though you go home and read Luke chapter 8 and the three accounts of Scripture, and you come up with your own word if you want, but I have this one specific word that seems to sum up that entire chapter. If one person, a person were to ask me, Pastor, give one word that might describe or sum up that chapter 8 of everything that occurred, I would say the word, simple one word, driven. That same order can be found in Mark 5. We find the demoniac of Gadara that we find in scripture that he's driven to run to Jesus. He was full of a legion of demons, which demon possession is still real today. Don't be fooled. But the fact that he's filled with demons, a legion of demons, and identified, even speaking out, that he was legion. But the man of Gadara, who was ran naked and abused himself, that man ran to Jesus. He was driven to get to the Lord. He was driven. And we know he was set free. Then we find in the same chapter of a synagogue leader by the name of Jarius. And Jarius was driven to override the opinions of others and other leaders of the synagogue to go to Jesus on behalf of his daughter. That his daughter might be healed. Where eventually we find out resurrected. Raised from the dead. But he was driven to go to Jesus driven to him and then in our text I'm going to read and we're going to look at is the account and interruption of what was happening with Jarius and in the street was an interruption of a woman who had an issue of blood and she was driven and said according to scriptures if I might touch the hem of his garment I'll know I know I will be healed she was driven driven to press through the crowd and to reach Jesus in Luke chapter 8 verse 43 through 48 in the King James and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment you might want to underline that if you somehow or another highlight it in your device underline and immediately she immediately her issue of blood staunched and Jesus said who touched me who touched me oh my 
is that so isn't that so contradictory to many times what the mindset of God's people are where we sit back and wait for God to touch us Jesus stopped and said who touched me who reached out to me who would have the drive within them that would go and reach out and touch me not sit back and wait for me to show up but I'm here right now and who will have the drive to go out and to touch me listen every Sunday morning every Sunday morning every worship opportunity Jesus is here and he's looking for those who have the drive within them to reach out and to touch his garment and take advantage of the moment and realize to be driven that I need the Lord, I need Jesus. If there ever was the, the thing that aches the heart of a pastor is the fact that people will omit the assembly and do something else in their life often and miss church because in the heart of the pastor where is that question do they still have the drive do they still have the drive to get where Jesus is and who he is or are they distracted and going from place to place and forgetting about the Lord Jesus said power flowed out of him when he stopped and he said somebody touched me amid all this crowd of people touching him Peter looked and said Lord you know well I guess I'll go back to the text because I'm preaching it I guess I go on to it and when and he says that someone has touched me Peter said Lord there's many been around I mean who are we gonna you know he said but I felt power proceed out of me and with that power something happened a connection a connection with God this, this is what we want, we desire, a connection with heaven and with God. We don't need to go through a religious format. I hope you didn't come in today and punch in your card and punch your card out when you leave church. I hope coming here today was more than fulfilling responsibilities and obligations. I so hope that when you came into the doors of this place uh, that you were pressing through the crowd and you made a decision, Lord, uh, I got to touch you. I got to connect with you. I can't live without your healing power. I can't thrive. I can't live uh, on my religious attitude I want to be driven to touch the Lord and in turn be in connection with his power now we know that's not only just put into the confinement of being at his house but this is a good example Jesus used visuals and examples before people so you're in church today so I can just use the example of church that you're reaching for Jesus may be you reaching out extending yourself beyond yourself yourself is what's getting you in trouble yourself is what is rebelling against God yourself your your nature is what's getting you into trouble but you need to reach beyond that and be driven now 
I'll go on and read. And, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. Falling down before him, she declared to him before all the people, there ain't nothing like a good old-fashioned, God-ordained, God-intervened testimony. There ain't nothing. I'm not talking about someone want to fill the air with a bunch of hot air. You know, you know, we're just more moany than a testimony to it. And all about problems and moans and, and everything. I'm talking about somebody said, look who I used to be and what I am today. Anybody here got a testimony? Oh, how many here got a past? Raise your hands. Then you got a testimony. Because what used to be ain't what it is right now. You got a testimony because you got a past. And the past was bad. And the present is good. And the future looks bright. And your life is filled with victory and not defeat. Praise God. You got a testimony. Don't you dare be silent. You got to talk through your mask. Then talk through your mask. Any blood washed spirit filled child of God. Nothing will stand in the way of them declaring the good things of the Lord and what God's done. But boy, she was a real good testimony. We'll hit on that in a moment. She was healed immediately. He said to her, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. I'm convinced that everybody in this room has some type of baggage. You got some kind of issue. Yeah. Uh, nobody's perfect here. We have not been perfected totally. We mature totally when we're changed in the presence of God. And then we will be forever perfect. Right now we're forgiven on the road to perfection, to maturity and growth. But you're not totally perfect. Come on. Ask your neighbor sitting next to you, am I perfect? I won't hear any fighting going on here. This is not a time, wives, to lay out the list of the stuff that uh, your husband needs to kind of correct, okay? Amen. Uh, my wife said, don't get me started. Amen. But we all have issues. You know why? Because when we're redeemed, we're forgiven. Our spirit man's redeemed. God's redeemed us. But somehow we still have to deal with this, this brain and this body. As long as we have to deal with this brain and this body, if we don't rely on the Spirit and God, we're going to keep on having these uh, eruptions. You know, these eruptions of out comes the flesh, the monster from the Black Lagoon. Ah! You know, the creature. Here comes the creature. Not the new creature, but the old creature. It's a monster. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven. It's not a question of your righteousness. You've been made righteous. That's why a person can be saved and still have the physical evidences of being an alcoholic. Uh-oh. You know why? Because you've got issues. And you need to walk and God fully deliver you. That's why if there are men in this room that are saved and born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and you're tempted, you fall prey constantly, issue of falling to pornography. Your spirit man wants to serve God and the Holy Spirit deals with you when you look at the wrong stuff. Your flesh 
wins over, you got issues. Come on. Oh, I can, I can, you know, when, when someone comes to you and, and gives you something juicy to talk about, think about, and you decide you're going to pass it along, you got issues. And there are those that maybe in this room have those secret issues of your past. Something that's in your mind. That issue can be something in your mind. That something that we worry about, think about, and fret over. Just constantly hindering us. And that issue defined the woman. Have you noticed that the woman doesn't have a name in scripture? She's just got an issue. Nowhere is her name is mentioned, but her, we know her, identify her by her issues. We know the woman as being a woman with the issue of blood. We, we say, we remember blind Bartimaeus by his blindness. We identify what was going on. In other words, the woman was defined by her issue. And the devil will want to come, will define you and want to define you by your issue. If you let him, if it continuously goes on, this is the definition of you. Your issue. Everyone knew her as the woman with issue. She wasn't known by her name. She was totally defined by her issue. How many of us are defined by our issue? That's the woman with the bitter spirit. I'm telling you, I'm going to point to the floor somewhere else. I'm not pointing to anybody. But they'll look and see people say, there's that woman with the bitter spirit. That's that man that was hurt by his pastor. That's the boy whose dad beat him. That's the couple who got divorced. That's the girl who had an abortion. That's the guy who tried to commit suicide. That's the preacher that failed morally. We become defined by our issues in this world. We walk around wearing our issue like it's a name tag. And the world sees it. That's that young woman who has, had, who has the bad attitude. Do you see where we get these issues? And we become known by our issue. We become totally wrapped up in what has happened to us. Our current issue defines our attitude, our actions, the way we talk, the way we behave, the way we believe. The hurt we suffered 10 years ago defines us. She was disqualified, this woman. Her issue disqualified her. Because of her state, she couldn't go and worship because of her issue. She wasn't allowed to enter the temple to pursue a closer relationship with God. Because of her state, she couldn't enter into relationships. She wasn't allowed to have relations, relations with her husband or her children. Leviticus 15, 25 through 27 states, declares that everything and any, anyone and everything and everyone she touched would be unclean. She was cut off from God and man. She was cut off from the meaningful relationship and service. She was disqualified by her service. Sounds like many of us. 
Because of our issue, we feel disqualified from everything and everyone. I can't worship because of what is happening in my life. I can't serve. I can't help with outreach. I can't help with youth. I can't pray for you. I can't minister. I can't sing. I can't pray. I can't impact anyone. I can't do anything for God or man because of what is and has happened to me. I am unable to fulfill my destiny because of my current issue. I am cut off. But then this woman also, she was driven. I believe this woman was somewhat driven by her issue. The word says that she tried everything. And I believe that she never could forget about her issue. Imagine, for 12 years, 4,380 4, days. So I had to do a little math there. 4,380 days of her life, she woke up knowing she had an issue. Her issue concerned her, consumed her daily thought life. It was all she could think of. She couldn't get out of her mind, her issue. She couldn't escape it. While others were relaxing, laughing, and joking, and playing games, she had an issue. While other women were rocking their babies, she had an issue. While other women held their grandchildren, she had an issue. While others talked about the weather, she had an issue. While others went shopping, she had an issue. Others are dancing, shouting, glorify God, but you have an issue. Others are enjoying life, but you have an issue. While others are having a breakthrough around the altar, your mind is still consumed with your issue. While others are fulfilling their destiny, you can't quit thinking about it. It's on your mind when you wake up. And it's the last thing on your mind when you go to bed at night. And when you go to sleep 24-7, it invades your thinking. Can I get an amen when you have an issue? Thoughts, though, begin to go through your mind. How can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? How can I be free? You're driven by your issue. She was devastated. The word declares that her issue cost her everything. In fact, the Bible says she spent everything she had and still only grew worse. She tried everything. In our desperation, we'll try it, won't we? We'll We'll do anything. Some of you try to lose weight and you eat some of the incredible green stuff that ever existed. And when most of us, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you really look good. Keep eating that green stuff. It's good. You look, you changed. It's been good for you. But I'm just saying, you do anything, what you got to do, you have an issue. Right? You're driven by your issue. Some of you in this room right now, you're trying to tone me, tune me out because of your issue. Because you'd rather have your issue than to have an answer. Some of you are still struggling over the same issue. Going to church somehow maybe loses its purpose because 
the issue has taken over. How many? But the Lord doesn't want you to be bound up. He doesn't want you to be have an issue. Remember, Jesus isn't a locksmith. He doesn't create locks. He doesn't lock you up and lock you in. He sets you free and lets you go. You know, that's our master. That's our Lord. Never been a doctor like Dr. Jesus take care of all issues. If, whether it be emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever issue you have, the only thing he won't do is maybe perhaps make your football team win. That's your own issue. You pray about it and deal with it. But those issues. Here, the commentator William Barclay says that there were at least 11 cures listed in the Talmud, the teaching, Jewish teaching, for this issue that this woman had. 11. 11 cures. And they, and they range from tonics to superstitions. You know, I'll never know why my mom had me wrap a smelly brown paper bag soaked in vinegar around my ankle to make my sprained ankle better. I'll tell you what, it just worked on my attitude. Suddenly, as a little boy, I was getting better. If it gave a chance, I could get this brown paper smelly bag off of my ankle. But we're willing, we're willing to try everything. I don't know no one might be able to tell us, being a pharmacist, if there is some medical things. And if it's so, then I will go and I'll pray and speak to my mom who's in heaven and tell her, Mom, I'm sorry. I don't know if there is, but it may. You can tell me later. Don't, don't interrupt now because it just might mess up my message. So... But there may be some unforeseeable reason with it. But, you know, there, here is this one with issues that was reaching. You will reach when you're desperate. You will reach when you want an answer. You'll reach. Problem with many folks is they won't reach. Or if they do reach, they reach in the wrong direction. Jesus is the only answer. And Jesus became her focus. Was Jesus. But, but here's what Barclay said to some of the remedies for that issue of blood. A couple of them are found either by a tonics or some type of crazy tonic to a superstition. Such, uh, such things such as carry the ashes of an ostrich egg. That would be a lot of fun burning that up. The ashes of an ostrich egg in wool bag in the wintertime, linen bag in the summer, maybe because it might get hot, I don't know, or cold in the winter. But you carry around this bag. Here it is. She probably went out, went to maybe trying to get out in public, and here she's got this bag. And you know what? People see the bag. People see the evidence of the issue. And so she, she, she might have tried that and spent money, cost her a lot of money to get an ostrich egg. And get it prepared just right. Maybe she had it put in a bag and walked around with that. Maybe that's something she might have done. Then there was another remedy that I thought was really, this is it. This, is, this has got to be the solution of this terrible issue that she had. Because, listen, she was going to face death. 
If this wasn't going to change her life, she was going to be destitute. Women couldn't work. There wasn't any inheritance for women. She was going to face a horrible death and die and just be forgotten. She wanted to fade out, fade out in the background. Nobody know about her because of the shame and, the, and such. And so here it is. Here's another remedy. Another remedy was to carry our barley corn. Oh, that's fine. Let's go to Walmart. Let's buy some barley corns, whatever they are. I guess I need to search what that is. You all tell me later in the message if you want to. Well, the barley corn, but I take it as some kind of seed or a piece of corn. And find the barley corn. But see, this is, this, this is where the enemy works in his tricky ways. Do you know where you find that barley corn? Do you know where you find that barley corn? You find it in the discharge of the dung of a, of a white donkey. Finding the barley corn in the dung of a white donkey. Now, let me tell you this. In other words, there had been a donkey that didn't quite chew up his food. And suddenly there's a barley corn in the middle of donkey dung. And then you dig in there and you find your... Listen... Oh, that's a sermon all by itself. Where do you think the devil wants you to go messing in? Why do you want the, where do you think the devil wants to position you in, in your life, digging around in donkey dung? And digging around trying to find your barley corn. That maybe, perhaps, maybe a healing might happen in your life. I tell you, the devil will get you running pillar to post. Going all over the place, chasing this and that. The devil will get you wound up in fear. The devil will say, you got to fix it. You got to do this. You got to do this and that. You just keep on being handcuffed. You just keep on having your issue. Or you can just go and mess with the mess. And get the stuff all over you. Now listen. When I moved to Gallia County. I had a new respect. For walking in the field. <laughs> a new respect. Because there were. These things laying there. And you know what they are. And it was something that. I learned quickly. To avoid. They were like. Planted bombs planted animal slicks or landmines sitting there and went because all it took for me to step in at one time and I had a revelation I ain't never doing that again maybe she decided I ain't gonna never gonna go after this superstitious superstitious stuff and all this other stuff a man created about a solution and a healing and she hears that there is Jesus walking in through her town and her city and the crowds of people all around and she remembers the works of the Lord and who he is oh 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 yeah yeah stir up by way of remembrance within you uh, not only the calling but the things that God has done in your life uh, and the things that God has done in other people people's lives and you've heard the testimony and somehow she came to her senses and said I'm broke, I'm busted, I'm disgusted, I don't have a chance in all the world to get better but I believe in Jesus and I'm going to press through the crowd uh, I'm going to get through the number of people 
everybody else, the mob may be doing this, but nothing is going to be in my way. I, I could care less what the priests are doing. I could care less what the teachers are doing. I could care less what the scribes are doing. Uh, I don't even care what the physicians are doing. Uh, I don't care what the coppersmith is doing. Uh, I don't care what the other handmaidens doing. Uh, I don't care what the blacksmith is doing. I don't care about my neighbor, what he's doing, or what she's doing, or what anybody's doing. I'm looking for somebody. I'm going after somebody. I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to be audacious. I'm not going to hide out anymore. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. simplistic isn't it but the solutions of God are simple his ways are simple to understand it's just Jesus just Jesus Jesus oh it's Jesus now she was devastated spent all her energy spent all her mon money lost all of her dignity Wherever she went, she had to cry out, unclean, unclean. I have issues, I have issues. People looked at her and said, yeah, you got one, you got one, you got issues. You need to get rid of that bag, it's got that barley corn there because it's starting to smell. You know, got, got issues. But when you got Jesus, he'll take care of those issues. If you'll be driven. This woman had a never give up spirit. She made her way through the crowd. Through everybody. For a particular person. For a particular purpose. Person. Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now. Her desperation. Drove her to the divine. Her desperation drove her to the divine. Now, when Jesus was walking through the street, you all probably thought this was, I was going to wipe my sweat off with this big handkerchief, didn't you? But this is what is called a prayer shawl. And Jesus would wear it. I'm going to try and put it on. This is a tallit prayer shawl. It is considered all Jewish males to carry it, but it was symbol of spirituality, covenant, and prayer life. Prayer life. And this is why Luke said in chapter 18, verse 1, he said in what Jesus shared with the parables, he was saying that men ought to pray and never give up. This woman knew that she could go after and had a goal. This tallit has, it's a four-cornered garment bound by specially tied fringes. See the fringes. There are four of these on the tallit. These are called tzitzit. Sounds like pasta, doesn't it? <laughs> Lord, forgive me. But, it's, but at least you'll remember it. It's called tzitzit. Here. Now, there's special meaning within that. 
every aspect of the tzitzit is symbolic the numeric value of the word tzitzit is 600 as the word numerical value is 600 combined with the eight strings and there are five knots on the tzitzit on the corner and the five knots on the fringe and the threads the eight equals 13 and 613 represent the traditional number of mitzvah which is the commandments given to us by the Lord and given in his word the tzitzit is wound 26 times and it's equivalent to the numeric value of the God's divine name which we're not we're not really supposed to utter since 13 is the sum of the strings of the knots which is the akkad which is meaning one the talit wraps us as it were in the presence of the one of God whose divine charge guides us no matter which of the four cardinal directions we go the corners God's presence is with us what it signifies the Bible says in Malachi 4 and 2 but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and the talit and the tzitzit considered the talit as the wings with healing in his wings this was the opinion of many other people revealed we find later on in scripture or other books of the bible Matthew 14 36 that they might only touch the people begin to touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole so something called on after the woman with the issue of blood the crowd going to touch Jesus they were reaching for the tzitzit meaning actually the essence of God the essence of God through Jesus the son she knew if I could just touch the hem of his garment I know I'll be made whole she was actually saying I know and quoting Malachi in her heart if I just touch the one with healing in his wings I know I'll be made whole I know I'll be made whole and so she pressed through the crowd she touched the hem the fringe it says garment but it's prayer shawl and she was healed immediately this is why hear me there's got to be this incredible power when a saint prays when a child of God goes to heaven's doors and pray and pray and pray without ceasing. This is why Jesus shared the parables and Luke said that you should never give up. Never give up. Keep praying and praying and praying. Why? Because somebody might be wanting to touch your prayer shawl. Somebody might want to get a hold of what you have with God. And my question is, do you have anything with God? Are you driven? Or are we sitting back and say, Jesus, okay, if you show up, great, come on. 
No. No. We press through and say nothing's going to get in the way. My issues are not going to stop me. My issues are going to be healed. I'm going to be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Bible says he will in no way cast you out. He'll receive you. In her desperation, it positioned her for deliverance. Maybe you're feeling kind of desperate. There are kids today that, that cut themselves. You guys have shared with me and team men, if Kayla was here, but some of the hearts the, the teens are sharing and what's going against their life. I got to say this, maybe I shouldn't. I know this isn't a counseling session. I used to want, you know, why is my perception sometimes a little different from maybe someone who's younger in this world and what's going on? I discovered it yesterday through Young Lions. I discovered that Grandpa Ron wants to step out and fix things and make things better. When I see things that are going on, it erupts in me to want to see. Why? Because I've lived some life, and I know that life doesn't have to be that way. You know, it doesn't have to be like this. But to those who are of this present generation, the young generation, they're optimistic. This is their world, and they believe they can take it in the name of Jesus Christ. And that they can serve the Lord, that they're conquerors. It ain't over. And for all those of us who've been down the path further, we just need to be uplifting the present and praying for them to God because they see it as a challenge. We see it as an indictment. We see something's wrong, but they see it as a challenge because you know what I realize? The grace of God is enough. I believe that, that the youth and the young people of this age are going to face the trials of the future and what's going on. Why? Because they're going to be driven. They're going to be driven to go after Jesus. They're not going to wait for Jesus to come and find them. And they're going to seek his face and follow him. And they're going to see the fields are white and ready to be harvested. They're going to be filled with the spirit of God. Signs and wonders are going to follow those who believe. And the Lord is moving in a great way. I'm tired of hearing about yesterday. I'm believing in tomorrow and knowing that God has things in store and that he's not finished yet. Even with all of our issues. Hallelujah. Al. How about you? What issues are you dealing with? The Lord knows them. And the Lord's here because he said we're two or three are gathered together in my name. There will I be in the midst. And this is why every pastor wants everybody to dive in the church. Because it's a guaranteed appearance of Jesus. You know, guaranteed arrival. The two or three are gathered together in his name. He'll be here. And he's here now. He's here right now. Amen. He is here right now, Josh. He's here right now, Lorraine. He's here. And doing that, how many here are going to reach? How many here are willing, are ready to reach, to reach and touch him? To reach and say, my issues, Jesus is no longer issues because of you. You're going to set me free. I'm not locked down. I'm not on lockdown. I'm not being held back. Uh, I'm being catapulted forward because of you, Lord. You have set me free. And those who the Son have made free are free indeed.
You got to press through. You got to be driven. You got to driven, be driven. These things aren't going to be in your life anymore. These things aren't going to be issues anymore. You're not going to carry around a stinky bag with some type of barley corn in it. God has so much more. God, Jesus has so much more. And he wants you to have it. He wants to give it to you. He gives the Father good pleasure to give his children the kingdom. Give you all blessings. Oh my. Isn't God so good? Isn't Jesus so wonderful? What's got you bound up? What's got you tied down? What's the issue? Give it to the Lord this morning. Reach out to him and say, Lord, deliver me. Lord, heal me. Set me free. Can we just praise him for a moment? Can we just entertain his presence for a moment?